Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, <laughs> let's get started with the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Long May She Rain podcast. I'm Aiden, I'm your host for this podcast. So we just gotta give a big old clap clap to all you listeners out there because we have hit 400 plays. In all collectiveness, I have gotten 400 plays. I am so happy. Thank you guys so much for listening to this tiny, very unprofessional podcast. Um... I work very hard on it. It's very nice to see that uh, lots of people are listening to it. A lot of people uh, like it. I was very surprised. So I went to bed and like I woke up and I, I checked my plays every morning to see uh, if people have listened. And I woke up with 66 new plays. That was bonkers. Literally two days ago, I hit 300 plays. I was like, oh, that's good for me. I can't wait to get to 400. And you guys did it in two days. I'm so proud of you. Thank you guys so much. Really, I'm very thankful. In other news in my week, um, let's see, what did I do this week? Well, I read this book, um, oh god, Daniel, it was written by this guy named Daniel N. N. Paul, I think, and, uh, it was, it's this book on Micmac history called, uh, We Are Not, We Were Not the Savages, and I'm reading it because, well, as you guys probably know, I think I've mentioned it a couple of times, I'm writing a book right now, and uh, one of my characters is half Micmac, uh, and I wanted to, like, kind of get a better understanding of, like, Micmac history, and, like, the stuff they've gone through, and their culture and stuff, so that I have a better understanding of how to write this character, because I'm not First Nations, so I wouldn't really um, know much about Micmac culture, but it, damn, it is a good book, like, it is actually interesting, it's engaging, it's teaching me a lot, so that's being very helpful in my, uh, quest to, uh, write this character. All right, so let's get right back into it. If you, uh, listen to part one, you know it's going down, but if you have forgotten, let me give you a quick recap before we jump right back in Izzy's story. All right. So, Isabella, born into the Castilian royal family to bad King Dad John II and his hot young wife from Portugal. Now, aged three, her dad dies. She's sent to this crack house castle far away because her older brother, who is now king, if you forgot, doesn't trust her or her little brother Alfonso. So Izzy spends seven crazy, shitty years in that castle getting schooled about God and shit while her mom goes a little... Uh, but she does make a new best friend named Beatrice while she's there. Then after seven shitty years in said crack house castle, Izzy and her little brother get called back to court because their sister-in-law is pregnant. So they rock back up, everyone loves Izzy, and then the baby is born, but it might not even be the king's. Ooh, scandal! Then, uh, some lords, uh, around, uh, the king's think, hey, this king sucks, let's proclaim Izzy's little brother king. So, they do that, and there's a lot of fighting, and this fiancé of Izzy's dies on the way to meet her, that's the whole thing, and 
Then everyone gets sick of all this fighting, so there's peace about the succession until Izzy's little brother dies. Boo. And everything is thrown into the air again. So Izzy and her older brother come to an agreement that she will be queen. Oh, and they have to come to a mutual agreement about a marriage for her, which, spoiler alert, doesn't go well. So, uh, Big Brother King decides to break this deal because it's not going well and tries to engage her to this guy that she already said no to years ago, Alfonso of Portugal. So, Izzy takes matters into her own hands and writes uh, the king of Aragon to ask to marry his son, and he's like, yes, let's do it. So, Mr. Ferdinand of Aragon sneaks across the border, they have an awesome secret wedding until word gets out, and Brother King is like, fuck you, my daughter, who may not even be my daughter, is gonna be my heir now, but he doesn't make any laws about it, and he just says it, uh, so it's not legally binding. So, some time passes, and Izzy lies about upholding her niece's probably niece's claim to the throne until her brother dies and she rushes to get herself crowned and then her niece who is now married to that alfonso of portugal guy uh also wants the crown and he wants to get it back for his child bride and now izzy is the new queen and she's at war all right we're all caught up let's get into it guys all right uh, I'm gonna do my best to try and talk about this war with Portugal, because even I was a bit confused when reading the details about it, but I'm gonna try my best to help you all understand. So, right off the bat, uh, Princess Joanna is already making moves. Now, I don't know if she was actually really involved in most of this war. She would have been about 13 at the start of this war, so I'm not sure about how, uh, into it she was like we're not really sure if she actually wanted to be a queen because no one ever asked her but she started making moves anyway so her uh new fiance uh alfonso of portugal who i found out through research was actually her uncle like her mom this was her mom's brother and she had to marry him Anyway, um, Alfonso uh, marched his army into Castile to meet Princess Joanna, and they actually ended up getting married on the 25th of May, 1475, and they, of course, had to get a papal dispensation because they were uncle and niece. Ew! Oh, and they were also proclaimed king and queen of Castile, and Princess Joanna was also now legally queen of Portugal. Now, Isabella started raising her own troops. She started riding from town to town, and this was, like, a lot of hard work. Like, she worked hard to get people on her side. She was talking to noblemen, appealing to the common people to help fight for her. She probably was writing letters to appeal to foreign powers, stuff like that. And, unfortunately, she was doing such a good job, she suffered a miscarriage while doing this. And, uh, she must have been... Quite a while long, because they were able to tell uh, that it was going to be a boy if it had been born. Now, um, Alfonso was hoping to meet up with his French allies to help him out. Now, you're probably wondering, what the fuck do the French have to do with this? Why on earth are they involved in a succession crisis in a whole another country? Well, if you remember, Ferdinand's dad got into a war shortly after Ferdinand's, Ferdinand and Isabella got married, and that war was with France. So... Um, because, sorry, because, uh, Aragon had territory in Italy, and the French wanted that territory, so the French figured if they teamed up against Isabel and Ferdinand, they would get that territory at the end of this war. Anyway, while they were trying to, while Alfonso was trying to meet with his French allies, uh, Alfonso realized, as he was going through Castile, that Castile didn't really want him at all, and they had very little support in the country, so instead, he decided to consolidate his army closer to his home country of Portugal. 
So he settled in a town called uh, Toro, which isn't very far from the Portuguese border, and he just kind of waited there for French intervention to be intervention because with his lack of support he really really needed it and he was also waiting for his son john of portugal to show up and help because once again he needed it now in january 1476 the battle of toro took place and i can't tell you who won that battle because both sides said they did and uh at this point joanna's supporters were kind of starting to disband which made isabella very very confident after this battle and she decided to name her only child little princess bella the legitimate heir to the castilian throne which was a good pr move because it legitimized uh izzy and her throne now unfortunately right after she did this a rebellion ended up breaking out in uh the town of segovia but uh isabella showed she showcased why she was going to be such a good queen. And I really love this story because she wrote it to the city against the advice of her advisors. They told her, don't do this. You're not going to be able to do anything. But she was like, oh, yeah, I can. And she was able to negotiate with them. And the rebellion was put down just like that. So, yes, queen. <laughs> All right. So it's time for more babies. Because on uh, June 30th, 1478, Isabella gave birth to a healthy baby boy, and they named him John because of course they did. And the birth of her son just gave her more brownie points because now she had a legitimate male heir, and Princess Joanna didn't have that because she was a little girl. And her and Alfonso had not done the ye old devil's tango yet. <laughs> Sorry, that was... That was weird. So Isabella was looking like a far better option to most people, and a lot of people realized, yeah, this is dumb. Why are we fighting about this? Oh, and also around this time, uh, Ferdinand's dad dies, which sucks. Uh, but you all know I have very little sympathy for Ferdinand. I fucking hate his guts. But I'm gonna throw him a bone here because it must be awful to go through that, especially since Ferdinand was so close with his dad. Unlike most royal children of the time, he loved his dad a lot. So I imagine that must have been very hard on him. Now, this war with Portugal after the birth of John lasted for about another year. The whole war lasted from 1474 to 1479 until it finally ended. Now, the Castilians won a lot of the land in the battle, and the Portuguese won the sea, which doesn't sound very significant for the Portuguese to win the sea, but it, it is. It will be. I'll let you know why later. Uh, and Isabel and Ferdinand signed the Treaty of Alcovas. Alcala yeah, sure, Alcovas, we'll say that. And here's basically what they agreed on. So, Princess Joanna had to give up her claim to the Castilian throne, and Isabella had to give up her claim to the Portuguese throne, because at some point during the war, Isabella was like, I'm going to claim Portugal. And, you know, that didn't work. Uh, they also, uh, both countries uh, exchanged a whole bunch of territory, and uh, with Portuguese, the Portuguese winning all that uh, sea, it blocked off Castile from the southern Atlantic, but like I said, it actually really ended up helping them in the long run. And as for Princess Joanna, they gave her an ultimatum. She could go to a convent and become a nun, or she could marry Isabella's new son, John, when he came of age, and Joanna was like... Mm, yeah, I'm done with all this shit. <laughs> and she chose the convent and decided to become a nun. And I'm kind of glad she did because not only were her and uh, baby John uh, closely related, at this point she was like 16 and John was like hardly a year old. So I don't know how they thought that was gonna like 
work and, like, how they were gonna get married, like, she would have been, like, let's say, like, they got married when, uh, John, like, turned 15 or something, she would have been, like, in her 30s, that was, like, old, old back then. Anyway, let's move on. Oh, I also forgot to mention that, uh, creepy Alfonso of Portugal, uh, also retired to a convent after he gave the throne to his son, John, and he died before he even got there, if you were curious what happened to that guy. Alright. Now, Isabella is finally queen. She can get down to business, but not before she has a baby again, because her daughter, Juana, was born in 1479, and we are gonna use the Spanish pronunciation for her name, Juana, because this is a different person from the Joanna we just kicked out of the story. Don't want you guys to get confused. Now, Izzy was heavily involved in her children's life, which is very unheard of for the time. She took charge of their education and made sure they were going to be good future representatives of their kingdoms and great kings and queens. And she I, she had all these very learned people come in and teach her babies about art history, uh, diplomacy, and reading, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And if you listen to the Catherine of Aragon episode, which you should, because they're very good episodes, um, her education was stellar, and this is all because of her mama and her deep love of learning, which I mentioned back in part one. And it was really important to her that her children got everything that she never had, which was a stable family and... Uh, being ready to be a future of state, future head of state and a diplomat, which is something that she was not prepared for and never got as a child. Alright, now Izzy has some work to do to fix her broken kingdom because it was fucked up when she got it. Uh, they had no crime infrastructure, uh, they had basically no money because of the war, or the, all those wars, and uh, she did not inherit good stuff. Not to mention Henry was a big spender, uh, so... The, the treasury was just empty. There was, like, one coin in the treasury to work with. So she started removing unnecessary things from her court that were costing her money so she can put money back in the treasury, which I think was really smart. So one of the first things she did was... Um, so there were a lot of royal court positions that were inherited by people like, oh, I your mother was the queen's shoemaker, so now you will be the queen's shoemaker, basically. Um... But the problem was most of these people didn't do their jobs, but they still got paid to do it. And it was bleeding the treasury dry, like paying all these people who weren't doing their jobs. So she started weeding them out and started hiring actual smart people um, outside of the nobility who could help her set up systems, write laws and stuff like that. And would actually do the things they were being paid for. And the nobles were really pissed about this, but they couldn't really do much about it, to be honest. I also read she started doing, like, town hall meetings so that she could hear her people out uh, to see how she could help them. And, guys, this is the 15th century. That's super progressive for a monarch, especially an absolute monarch, to want to do something like this. Uh, It's like, (laughs) you know what it actually reminds me of? It reminds me of that scene in The Princess Diaries 2 where Queen Clarice listens to all the people in the throne room and then Mia chases around a chicken and stuff. Uh, You know, I imagine it's the same thing. (laughs) Babies, babies, are you guys ready for more babies? Because Izzy is pregnant again in 1482. Izzy gave birth to twin girls, and they named one Maria, and the other was named Anna. But unfortunately, little baby Anna was still born. But in good news, they at least had one healthy baby. So, good news. 
Now, let's get into the bad news, because I love depressing you guys on the show. So, I told you guys we were going to talk about the bad stuff Izzy did, because she did not do all good things. She was a product of her time, of course, but that does not excuse her from blame for the awful things she did. And one of the two things she did was the Inquisition and the Reconquista, but we are going to start with the Inquisition. Now, Spain was actually a very diverse country. It had Christians, which was obviously Isabella's people. Then then there were the Muslims in the south, and they were an actual kingdom with the government and everything. And then there were the Jews, who were more of a traveling people. And by traveling people, um, I mean they got kicked out of everywhere a lot, so they were walking, like, a lot. Anyway, they lived among other religions, like the Christians. And on another note, a lot of these Jews were bankers, which is going to be important. Um, um, And because everyone hated them, the Christians made it illegal to charge other Christians interest, which meant that the Jews were making less money, which was just another slap into the face. And not to mention the Christians and the Muslims treated the Jews like second-class citizens, uh, but they still let them handle all the money because, you know, someone had to do it. Now, I looked up why no one liked the Jews, and it's actually a really complicated history. I don't know that much about Judaism. To be to be fair, I don't they do- both worship God? I don't know. Um, anyway, they just kept on getting kicked out of everywhere. Now, first they lived with the Christians in Spain, and things got heated with that. So they were like, let's go, let's go to the Muslims, because they figured, hey, the Christians don't like them either, so we'll be safe there. But then the Muslims didn't like them either and, like, blamed them for everything. And, like, it's absolutely awful how they were treated no matter where they went. So they decided, all right, let's let's bounce and go back to the Christian kingdoms after the Muslims didn't want them. And then they ran into trouble again with people treating them like shit and it was an absolute dumpster fire. Now, when Henry III of Castile was on the throne, I believe, uh... That's Izzy's, like, great-grandfather or grandfather. Uh, He's probably the worst perpetrator of being horrible to Jewish people. And uh, while he was on the throne, uh, lots of Jews were forced to convert to Christianity because they were absolutely fucking terrified of what was going to happen to them if they didn't. And uh, people started calling these um, convergers... People who converted, they started calling them conversos or crypto-Jews, which is... (laughs) Which is a term they use a lot when talking about people, like, faking religions. Like, I've heard uh, people during the Reformation uh, being called crypto-Catholics. Uh, I th- I just think it's kind of a funny word, like, crypto. Crypto-Jews. <laughs> um, and even after they had converted, literally no one trusted them. They were like, did you just convert because we said we'd kill you if we didn't? And the Jews were like, Yes! Yes, we did, because we don't want to die. Um, so uh, Izzy's relationship with the Jews was, like, meh at this point, because, like, no one knew what she was going to do. It was kind of a toss-up in the air on whether or not a new monarch was going to be nice or kill them all. And Izzy, at first, she decided she was not going to go full power of God on these guys, but she did want to know if uh, those crypto-Jews were real Catholics, and she wanted them to prove that they really did believe in God. And if they didn't, they had to be kicked out. So she set up a task force called the Inquisitors who would go around asking people questions and assessing them. Now, it wasn't supposed to be an aggressive report. She wanted a report on all that was happening, but the Inquisitors kind of took this power and ran with it, and they were very aggressive in their questioning. Now, at the same time that uh, Isabella started the Inquisition, 
Uh, Isabel also had started the Reconquista. Basically, what she was trying to do was take over the Muslim territories, which was not cool of her to do. And she was trying to get the city of Granada back from the Muslims, which is in southern Spain. It's like right on the coast, I believe. Now, her family had been trying to get Granada back for a long-ass time. Like, this fight had been going on for a few centuries at this point since the Muslims had gotten here. And the Muslim-Christian relationship was also shit, and there was a lot of fighting between them. So, Isabella, for her reconquista, decides to arm her up, drop that sword to her side, and goes full warrior queen. <laughs> she needed to get this done, and this war took ten goddamn years for her to finish. But this was actually a great PR thing, and one of the things she capitalized on during this war was her family. And they were like a real celebrity royal family. She got them involved in this war and took them around visiting soldiers and hospitals. She was a good commander, too. She loved her soldiers, and she took care of them. I wrote about these uh, hospitals that she had set up to uh, take care of her men. Uh, apparently, they were state-of-the-art, but I-, I don't know what that means in this time period. But she had had nice hospitals set up for them. I believe they were called the Queen's Hospitals, which is really cool. Now, during the Reconquista, Izzy had to pull over and have another baby. Because in 1485, she gave birth to her daughter, Catherine. Which is episodes 3 and 4, if you want to listen to them. Another plug for those episodes. Oh, I love it. Um, also, um, this isn't really that relevant <laughs> to the entirety of the story. But when I read it, it pissed me off because Ferdinand, that little bitch was cheating on Izzy. Now, this was very a very common occurrence in this time. If you grew up in court your whole life, you knew that, but Izzy didn't. Remember, she was in Krakow's castle for like seven years, and it really hurt her when she found out. Now, uh, and we actually have contemporary sources about the fights they had about it and how Izzy uh, cried so hard she made herself sick over it, and uh, Ferdinand being a dickwad and cheating on Izzy, who is like a great, pretty awesome person, just reinforces my hatred of Ferdinand. Anyway, back to the story. Um, Now, Izzy was very focused on making allies for herself, so she decided to start negotiating engagements for her kids. So, firstly, she engaged her oldest uh, daughter, Princess Bella, to the heir of Portugal so that they could heal wounds of the country. Then, uh, John was engaged to the daughter of the Holy Roman Emperor, and her name was Margaret of Austria, who grows up to be a real cool lady, and I hope I get to do an episode on her someday. Then, uh, Juana gets engaged to, uh, Margaret's older brother, Philip, so that's a double marriage right there. And then, uh, Maria, at first, decided was gonna get engaged to the King of Scotland, but that ended up, like, not working out. Um, so they decided to start looking around for other options, and then Catherine, of course, was engaged to England, but you guys knew that. Okay, so picture it. Castile, 1492. Now, this is a good year for Izzy. Like, it's her year. Like, you remember how we all thought 2020 was going to be our year? (laughs) That was a funny dream. Anyway, we had a lot of stuff to cover in this area, so let's start with the Reconquista, which finally ended in 1492, and they got and they got Granada back. Now, I know I haven't gone into full detail about the Reconquista, and, like, I was going to, but, like, it's, like, like I said, ten years of war, I really didn't want to bore you guys, but the point is, they got, they got Granada back. That's the point. And this was clearly very, a very influential thing, since Catherine of Aragon ended up choosing the pomegranate as her symbol, which was also the symbol of Granada. Now, now that Izzy was in charge, all the Muslims decided to either leave for Africa or ended up uh, converting. 
to uh, Christianity. Um, and the Muslim king ended up uh, fucking off to Africa, I think, or something like that. Um, now, now that Isabella had done it, she had conquered the land of her ancestors. What is she going to do now? Well, her and Ferdinand decided to do something called the Alhambra Decree. Now, the expulsion of the Jews is a really long thing that I really just can't fit here, so I'm going to simplify it for you. Now, Isabella had gotten rid of the Muslims, and she was focusing all her energy on the Jews now, and the Inquisitors came back to her with their findings, and they were like, yeah, these crypto Jews are definitely lying to you. They are secret Jews. And Izzy was like, alright, let's do something about this. So, Izzy was trying to be cautious about this, like, she didn't want to, like, hurt anyone or anything, but the Pope and Ferdinand told Izzy that the problem is that they are here, they need to leave, so they either wanted them out or they wanted them dead, they didn't care as long as they were gone, and the Pope decided to, like, play up Izzy's ego, like, complimenting her to try and get her to do what he wanted, and Izzy was not really down with the Pope at the time, because this Pope was, uh, uh, Pope Rodrigo, well, sorry, that's wrong. It was Pope Alexander VI, but his real name was Rodrigo Borgia. And this was the same guy who probably helped them fake their papal dispensation to get married. And she knew he was corrupt as hell. And Izzy didn't like that, but he was still the Pope. Like, no matter how bad he was, um, I believe Christians believe that the Pope is God's representative on earth. And if he told you to do something, you did it if you wanted to be a good Catholic. So Izzy decided to agree to the expulsion of the Jews, which kicked them all out. Even the ones that had converted because, you know, they thought they were lying. And they had to get out in three months. Three months. And in that time, they were, of course, under the protection of the crown. Nothing could happen to them while that um, protection was up. But the... This, the idea of getting out of a country in three months is crazy. They had no place to go. They couldn't take anything with them. They had, they couldn't take their horses. They couldn't take their money from the bank. No weapons. So, uh, to get things for money, they said, they did, sorry, they decided to start selling things for money, like their houses, which didn't help because every other Jew everywhere was selling their houses. So, I believe it, oh, what's the word? It saturated the market. Like, too many supply and demand, I guess? I don't know. And also, the Christians who owed Jews money didn't have to pay it back, which meant less money, and which, this is just not cool. It was just a whole big mess. Like, they were being set up to die. Oh, and the punishment for not leaving was death, so either you died trying to find a new place to live, or you died just for being Jewish. I also must mention that they did not repeal this decree until 1968. That is like well over 400 years of this being an active decree. I'm not sure how long they actually ended up enforcing it, but uh, it was active until 1968. I can't imagine like some like lawmaker in like 1968 being like, oh, that Alhambra decree is still active. Do you think we should repeal that? And they were like, yeah, let's do that. Now, after uh, Isabella kind of does all this crappy shit to the Jews, uh, she kind of hits a bit of a golden age uh, for her because she's got no wars to fight and she is sitting pretty in her throne. And at the same time, this dude named Christopher Columbus rocks up. You may have heard of him. 
Now, we all know Christopher Columbus is a pretty pretty big deal in America, even though he shouldn't be because he's a total shitbag, but we're going to talk about that in a second. So basically what he does is he rocks up to Izzy, and she's, and he's kind of at his, like, wit's end. Like, she is his last resorts because he has been rejected so many times by so many countries to fund his journey west. And one of the first countries he went to was to was Italy because I he was Italian I believe and they said no so and so did Portugal <laughs> and so did England Henry the seventh that greedy little motherfucker wasn't gonna spend his precious money on on a journey that might not even end up enriching him so Spain was one of his last resorts and he was like hi I'm Chris remember me I came here in 1486. Side note, he came in 1486 to ask for the money, and Spain said no back then, but now he was back because they were a little busy. Anyway, Chris was like, I came here in 1486 to ask for this money, and you guys said no because you were busy, and I get that, but hear me out. I want to find a new route to Asia because, of course, Asia has spices, silk, and gold. And Chris was like, I know you need that. And Isabella knew that they needed that too, and they couldn't exactly go around Africa right now because, remember, Portugal had gotten the South Atlantic in that peace treaty, and also the Muslims were down in Africa, so (laughs) they didn't want to go there. So they had no way to get to Asia to enrich themselves. So, but they did have the North Atlantic, so he's like, I think the Earth is much smaller than we think it is, and I think I can get to Asia westward if you just let me try. Now... I think a lot of people these days have the misconception that everyone back then thought the Earth was flat, which wasn't true. They knew they knew that the Earth was round. They just thought the Western Sea was gigantic, and they also had no idea there was a whole ass two continents in between uh, in the middle of uh, the Atlantic Ocean. So Izzy thought about Chris's proposal, and she was like, all right, we, let's do that. And Ferdinand was like, no, he didn't, he didn't want to do it, he thought Christopher Columbus was absolutely crazy, we, they had no idea if what he was saying was, like, true at all, but as he was like, it's okay, I'll pay for it myself, you won't be risking anything in this, it's all, it's all me, and Ferdinand ended up lifting off pressure and left it alone because, you know, he wasn't risking anything if you let Izzy do this, so Chris sets off, and a few months go by, and I'm sure they ended up getting word that he reached land about two months after he left. And uh, when he landed, he found the Bahamas, not America, just letting you guys know. And this was just the beginning of the horrible shit Christopher Columbus released on the Americas. And it set up how Native Americans would be treated for centuries, unfortunately. Now, I actually read the reason we don't have a good history of the Americas prior to Christopher Columbus is because the conquistadors burned Aztec libraries because they thought Aztec writing was devil worship. And honestly, this makes me so much madder than the burning of the Library of Alexandria, which makes me mad on a daily basis. But this just pisses me off to no end. Now... I remember in, like, history class reading that the reason we didn't have, um, a good comprehensive history of the Americas prior to Columbus was because, um, most of these, um, Central American cultures didn't have, like, a writing system. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But it turns out that's not true. It's just because all their books got fucking burned. Anyway, um... <laughs> Now, when Columbus came back in March of 1493, he had some stuff with him, 
Other than gold, when he came back, he brought some Native Americans with him as his slaves. And he printed, presented them to Isabella as a gift. And Isabella was absolutely fucking floored with disgust. And that was not the reaction that I think Christopher Columbus was expecting. And because... Because he pro- he was probably thinking, after all the stuff that she did with the Jews and the Muslims, that she'd be cool with this. But in her eyes, the Muslims and the Jews were ancient enemies. But these natives had done absolutely nothing to deserve this. She demanded that they be freed and brought back home, and like maybe teach them Christianity so that they could be Castilian citizens and stuff like that. But I don't think Chris was seeing this the way she was. And he's like, okay, well, I guess I'll go back with the gold. But Izzy was like, no, I keep the gold and you take those people home, please. Because she wasn't perfect and she wanted money because they found a lot of gold there. And by a lot of gold, I mean a lot. Also, uh, they made uh, Christopher uh, the governor of what is modern day Dominican Republic because they were so thankful for him finding all this gold. Uh, but don't worry, a couple years later he ended up falling from Isabella's favor uh, because they didn't agree with a lot of his methods in the New World. So, in good news, he fell f- out of favor, and I also read about his death, which it seems that he suffered a lot from the illness that took him, so let's just hope he's rotting in hell now. Okay, so if you remember from my Catherine of Aragon episode, you know that after Christopher Columbus, things start to go downhill for this family in the late 1490s. In 1497, Isabella's only son, John, died. Now, I don't know what he died of. I read several things about it. I even read that he, and I quote, overexerted himself in the bedroom, which got him sick. And at the time of him getting sick, the whole family was getting ready for Princess Bella's wedding to Portugal. So uh, Ferdinand decided to rush to be at John's side as he died, probably from an actual illness like tuberculosis or something. And Isabella was busy planning the wedding, and she just couldn't go, so Ferdinand decided to lie to Isabella saying that John was fine and that they were over-exaggerating how sick he was to keep her calm, but he just wasn't, and he ended up passing away in October of 1497 with his dad and his pregnant wife by his side. And oh my god, the grief that must have ripped her apart. It must have killed her on the inside that she wasn't there for her son when he died. She was very close with her son, as she was with all her other children. Like I talked about in the Catherine of Aragon episode, this was a close-knit family. She loved all her children. And after John's death, Isabella decided to focus all her energy on her daughter-in-law and her unborn grandchild, because that was all she had left of her son. So she sent for her daughter-in-law, Margaret, to come and have her baby at, at the palace that Isabella was in, and Izzy was so excited for this birth, but unfortunately, the baby was born stillborn. <laughs> God, that must have been so depressing, and it just gets so much worse. Uh, Other daughter, Princess Bella, who is probably Isabella's favorite, they're very, very like-minded individuals. Um, Unfortunately, Princess Bella died in childbirth a little while after this. Uh, The baby she had did end up living, and it was a boy named Manuel, and if he had lived, he would have united Portugal and the new Spain. Aragon and Castile, he would have united everything. He unfortunately died at age four, I believe, in Isabella's arms. I can't remember if that's the same person, but oh my god. After all this, her health starts to just, like, take a downward spiral. And from this point on, Isabella now has a succession crisis. Her heir is now her daughter, Juana, which is fine. They have no problem with women inheriting in this place. 
But the problem is, Juana and her mom are very different people. Um, they had very different re- views on religion. Juana wasn't a very diehard Catholic like her mom, and their personalities were just different in general. And Juana's husband was kind of a douchebag, but Juana couldn't see it because she was very, very much in love with him. And Izzy and Juana got into fights about that a lot, and she didn't want her son-in-law to have any power over Juana if Juana had to become queen. And as Isabella decided decided sorry started to get sicker and sicker she knew she had a crisis on her hands with her daughter so she decided to write a will about a year before she died now in her will she stated that her daughter juana will be queen when she is dead unless she would rather not rule in that case her father can be her co-monarch until her uh oldest son charles is an adult and he can rule for himself which i think is a very fair thing to write down in case juana didn't feel like she was up to the task of being queen and uh, Isabel also made sure that her douchebag son-in-law, Philip, had no power, which was good because he was terrible. And uh, she also wrote down to make sure her other daughter, Catherine's dowry, be paid in full, which if you remember from her episode, it never was. So she also, in her will, she decided to declare her love for Ferdinand in this will, which is very dramatic and romantic. <laughs> and she also left him tons of money. And talked about how much she loved him and how good of a husband she was. She also gave him her jewelry so he could remember her, which is aww. And she also asked him to please not remarry. Not because she was jealous or anything. But she wanted to make sure there wasn't a success succession crisis. If he had a son with another lady, that would be a huge problem. And I don't know if I mentioned this in the Catherine of Aragon episode, but he did not listen to Isabella's will. And he ended up getting remarried less than a year after she died, and I am appalled, but not fucking surprised at this point with Ferdinand. Also, uh, she donated a lot of money to charity in her will to the poor. She also asked in her will that the natives in the New World be treated kindly and never, ever enslaved, which is ironic, because no one listened to her on that note. Like, it's, I was surprised, I was shocked when I read this, she actually put this in her will, but it's there, you can read it. Uh, she also asked that money not be spent on mourning clothes for her funeral, and that the money that they would have spent on those fancy new clothes be given to the poor. And unfortunately, on November 26, 1504, which is actually my brother's birthday, he was born in 2004 on November 26, which is crazy. That's like a 500, exactly 500 year difference. Um, Isabella unfortunately passed away, likely from cancer. Now, Ferdinand was there with her, and so was her bestie Beatrice. Aww, best friends. Uh, she requested that she be buried in Granada, and it took them a few weeks to carry her coffin there. I read it was actually a pretty difficult journey, and a few people died trying to get her there, which is sad. And also, douchebag Ferdinand did not accompany her coffin, because are we surprised? No. Um, she asked for a simple gravestone, but she did not get that at all. <laughs> The one time uh, her people not listening to her actually benefited her. She got a nice big fancy grave with a statue and everything, which I really want to visit in Granada. You know, once COVID is over, I really, at some point, I'd really like to travel. COVID has a couple of years to fuck off before I can travel. All right, let's talk about Isabella's legacy. Now, Isabella is remembered in a lot of ways, both good and bad. Now, she was a great warrior queen, a monarch who was large and in charge. She changed the face of female rule in Europe forever. Decades after her death, 
sorry, the decades after her death gave rise to several female monarchs, like her granddaughter Mary I, and other female monarchs like Elizabeth I, Mary Queen of Scots, and they probably all looked to her for an example because what a great example it was. Unfortunately, her treatment of the Jews and Muslims is a stain on her legacy, and I can't justify what she did because anti-Semitism is wrong, and they shouldn't have been treated like that. But we must, and we can't ever forget that she did that, and acknowledging that it was a very bad thing that she did, I think, is kind of like a path to acceptance that she wasn't perfect thank you for joining me in this two-parter i hope you guys all enjoyed learning about isabella this week our great warrior of queen warrior queen of spain bye guys all right guys thanks for listening uh if there's a certain thing that you want to hear just like hit me up on uh, twitter at long may she rain two uh the n at the end of rain is replaced with a two just so you know that um thanks for listening guys bye